And welcome to the Sports and Media Podcast. I'm Jeff. I am Joey. We are at show number 75. Joe, you believe that? It's uh, It's been a long haul, hasn't it, really? Yep. Oh, you can't even hear me there. No, it's great. Every day is a, another day. And we're going to start off with this. We're asking some people to, uh, on the, our Facebook portion of this, uh, before we get into some of the what's happening in the world of sports and sports media this week, who are your all-time three favorite who do you think are the all-time three best catchers in Major League Baseball history? Major League Baseball obviously started this week. So who are your all-time top three catchers? Post it on Facebook, and uh, we'll kind of, as we go along with the show, remind people to do that, and me and Joe will also pipe in a little who, bit later. Who's your, who's your number one? Johnny Bench, number one. So why? I just think he encompassed defense, offense. He was a leader. Uh, he was on a cha- couple championship teams. Yogi Berra was the same. And I'll give. I got to see Johnny Bench play. I didn't get to see Yogi, so I'm going Bench first, Yogi second, and my third might surprise you, but I'm going with Ivan Rodriguez because I also saw him play and defense, power, uh, leadership. Uh, I like him. So those are my top three uh, of all time. Would be Bench, uh, Yogi, and Rodriguez. So there you go. So does. The whole idea that he may have been involved with steroids change any of that for you? Which one, Vaughn? Yeah, he's the only one. Yeah. Well, I don't think he was ever on the list, was he? There was there was heavy speculation, but like anything else, most of these guys are heavy speculation. You don't know. I never remember Yvonne being on the list, so I well obviously it doesn't bother me because I, he was never caught, in my opinion. No, you're like right. Some of no, the I, others. I agree with you. In fact, that. yeah. So I it doesn't bother me one bit on on him at all because I don't think that he was one of them because his career. I mean, he had a good career, long career, and he was a leader on the field. Uh, didn't win any championships. I don't. I don't believe so. Off the top of my head, so those are my no, favorite. No, he three. did not. Yeah. He did not. The Yankees kept beating them in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that, really, it's amazing that Ro- that Rangers team was loaded. Yeah, they had some talent. You know, Juan Rodriguez, you had Pud Rodriguez, you had uh, geez, Yvonne Gonzalez, and you had oh yeah, Juan so, Gonzalez. Yeah, is what yeah. I mean, yeah. So, uh, as far as me, I'm. I could go either way. I I, I have to. I probably go with um, Yogi Berra just because he's won a couple of MVPs and winning all those championships. That said, you could make an equal argument for Johnny Bench because he was hitting 40 homers in a sort of a dead ballish type of era. For, for, he had a couple, he had a good three-year stretch where yep. he was hitting like 35, 40 homers. And uh, his average was never particularly high. I think 270s, 280s, but um, his slugging percentage was high. And uh, I think he almost hit 300 one year. Maybe yeah. it was one year. And his defense was... There are people say he's maybe the best defensive catcher ever, and the other one really is the one you're talking about, Pudge. Pudge Rodriguez, you know, is uh, in that decade there was no one close to him as yeah. far as throwing runners out and calling a game and defense. And on top of the, bat, the fact he could hit for average and had a little pop, you yep. know, depending on what year you're picked out. So if you're watching us on Facebook, which many of you are, who are your all-time three favorite catchers as we go on with the next few weeks? We'll be talking about different positions. Yeah, because, I mean, even there's guys like uh, Gary Carter, I wonder. Um, I thought yeah. that I, I was surprised. Mickey Cochran from the old days, wasn't he a catcher? Mickey Cochran He was. had to be in the top five if you're going to keep sitting in the list. Uh, yeah, Gary Carter would be there, uh, Thurman Munson. Munson uh, probably not. I mean, he's yeah. one of my favorite growing up, but the reason I probably – you can't put him on there is I don't think he played enough years. Yeah. But same reason probably Don Mattingly doesn't get into the Hall of Fame and several other players. But And, and, and you also have to think that uh, – But how about Carter? Brian first? Jones thinks that Rodriguez might have won with Florida late in his career, so I don't know. Oh, so there yes. You, there you he, Thank I, you. I think he did. BJ, I, we appreciate that. I think that. he won with that 2003 squad. You're there right. You so um, – 
And the other one you have to put on maybe of today's era is Yadier Molina. Now, I know he's a love or hate kind of player, but you can't doubt the fact that he's a leader. He's won championships. Great defense, good throw, uh, really good at throwing out runners. And really his ever since 06, when he had that big home run in the playoffs, he really has been at least somewhat of a force in that uh, at bat, So I mean in that lineup. So I think that Yadier Molina is at least in your top ten, and maybe as time goes on he, he's going to inch into the top five. I, I don't know if he's in the top ten. He could be. I, I, I just don't know. But I think over the last ten years he's definitely in my top two. Yeah. Uh, but, but think of even, even these other guys like Carlton Fisk. Where do you put him? He was in, he was a very good defensive uh, catcher, and of course, yeah. But you, you really look at his ever. stats. I don't know how long, how good are his stats? Three, oh, he's got like he's. I think he's one, two, or three for home runs, um, and hits. He's up there for catchers. Yeah. Catchers usually have abbreviated careers. Yeah. So, um, I think Fisk could possibly be a top five. Yeah, he might have to be. So there you go. So if you're out there watching, keep posting your. Uh, three best catchers of all time. We'll continue to talk about it. NCAA tournament wrapped up Monday. Uh, Villanova crushed uh, Michigan, and so they've won two out of three. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't take announcers on TV two seconds when the tournament's over to say, "Are they a dynasty, and who's going to win next year?" They never let anybody just live in the moment right. and celebrate Villanova's good season. It's all, will they repeat, and who's going pro, and are they a dynasty? What's your definition of dynasty? Everybody has a different opinion. They're a mini dynasty because in the age now, they've won two out of three and not a lot of teams have. All right? Who cares who's going pro? we got plenty of pro players. And let them just be before you automatically. It wasn't, I mean, like within the, an hour, you know, ESPN's going, Kansas is next year's number one, followed by Duke and Villanova. I'm like, really? We just can't let Villanova just have some fun? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't like the speculation. But not only that, people don't have a clue if they're calling Villanova a dynasty. There's <laughs> no way in hell... Villanova is a dynasty. They've won two titles in three years. That is phenomenal. That is fantastic. But, you know, let's, let's think of some other dynasties. <laughs> Just in baseball. Uh, the Yankees, between 21 and 64. That's a dynasty. They won, they won, they were in 29 World Series in 44 years. And even within that, they had dynasties that were better than this. In 36 to 43, they were in World Series seven of eight times. In between 1947 and 64, which is probably the most amazing, they were in 15 of 18 World Series. That's a dynasty. The Boston Celtics, 11 titles in 13 years. That's a dynasty. The Bulls, what, four or was it five? Six out of eight. Six of eight. Yeah, yeah that's clearly a dynasty. But in college, there's only one big dynasty, right? Yeah, UCLA. UCLA. Yeah. Ten in, what, 11, 12 years? 12 now, we years. thought we might have had a dynasty in basketball. Well, and and but women, to be fair, the women, the Tennessee, six yeah. and 12 years is a dynasty. And too. Connecticut might have been a dynasty. They're kind of a always in the Final Four dynasty, but then they keep struggling. For women? Yeah. Well, they are. I mean, think of They won four in a row. For yeah. women's, you know, you've yeah. got Tennessee and you've got Connecticut. And actually, for the men... Uh, for basketball, can you think of another men's call NCAA? Uh? Not that it consistently always is in the championship. I mean, you know, Duke's had their share of moments, but they've really lost a lot of That's championship games too. as well. So they really have. Yeah, UCLA is the dynasty in college basketball. I don't think there's a doubt about it. Do, do you think of like even the Spurs? You know, when you think of it, they won four titles of what in 03, 05, 07, but then the other one in fourteen. Is three in seven years, six years a dynasty, and then another one seven years later? No, I think it's a good run. It's kind of like the Giants in baseball, three right. and six years or whatever you want to call it. It's a good run, but it's not what I would call a, a dynasty. A dynasty is, you know, I, at least three or four in a row, I would think, would be kind of the minimum. Yeah, there's the very few. I, I would so even, if my Penguins win this summer, we could have a Would that be three in a row? That would be three in a row. Yeah, and had they won one even a couple of years before that? They won that? five altogether. 
and was 91 all, and 93, I believe. Okay, so it's, it's been a while. I'd say they're on the cusp of a dynasty because in the NHL, who's the biggest dynasty? The Canadians. The Canadians. Yeah. I forget how many they won over 10, 15 yeah. years. And the Oilers. They were definitely. Yeah. The Oilers and, and they, the Islanders. Yeah, when go. they won, what, five or out of Four, five yeah. and yeah. six or seven years. Yeah. So you, you have those. I was surprised you didn't mention your Steelers in the, in the 70s. Well, four and six, six is pretty good. Uh, you know the Patriots too, of course. Yeah, so you, it's all. But I still think you got to get you got to get to that three or four in a row. I think that's when it becomes. You don't think four and six years makes your dynasty? It's close. I mean, it's the greatest. It might be the greatest six year run of any team, but you know when you think about you know. It just doesn't. It's great, but it's not. You know, you, you got to get three or four. I still think you got to get to three in a row. You it's know, three in a row. Remember okay. when, when when Riley you know coined the three peat phrase? That really got people to think. You know, you can win it one year, you can come back and do it again, but can you do it that third year? And it's really tough for people to do it that third year. So if the uh, Golden State Warriors win this year, is that two be, in a row? Right, that'd be two in a row, three and out of three four. four. Yeah. So three and four is not. That's good. How about make sure they went four or five? So that would two. Def- Two on, one off, and two on. Oh, wait, what, one? Oh, I guess be, that would be three in yeah, a row. Yeah, be three in a row. Yeah, so they, that's, yeah. That meets your criteria. There you go. <laughs> if anybody cares it about the Jeff Owens. It back to your, your criteria there here. You Absolutely. Go. All right. The uh, other uh, yeah, news this week, ESPN debuted their new show, Get Up, with Mike Greenberg, uh, Michelle Beadle, Jalen Rose, and then Booger, hey, Booger, Booger McFarland. has been every time I'm on the so show, I'm I, watching it. I don't know how they're going to do that with that fourth person. Is Booger going to be on all the time, or is that fourth? I hope so. Is he's, a rotating he's, he's my favorite of, I think, all of them. But absolutely abysmal ratings the first two nights, the first two mornings. Why do you think that is? Well, because well, first of all, Tuesday morning, you had people staying up late watching the game Monday night. So but wouldn't, wouldn't you want to come back and see how, get the recap of the game? Yeah, I mean, the true fan. I mean, the Villanova fans probably not as much because they're you know they probably were up late doing whatever they shouldn't be doing. Uh, that's the only thing I can say. Now, if you've watched the show and I've tried to you know I've watched part of it now. This is the third day we're shooting. Obviously, we're recording a day early. The show has was a little bit better today than it was the first day. Um, I just don't know with the four microphones if Greenberg is going to be able to deal with not talking as much as he did on the other show. I was wondering if he, that was purposely done by Greenberg because he wants to have some free time and not. I, I have no idea. I don't know, but he just this morning a couple of times, you know, when they, when they do the four camera bubble up pop up thing, yeah. he looks very disinterested right now because uh, Jalen Rose he loves really to talk. Jalen Rose loves to talk. Yeah, Booger McFarland's really good, and Beetle is Beetle. I mean, if you know, she when she's on, she's going for it. When you give now. her the time on the, I think she her, she shines on those one on ones when she's yeah. with with Jalen. I saw a couple of days ago, actually twice. I think I saw it with her. And she was interviewing uh, Ronda Rousey this morning. So there, you know, it's it's got potential. Uh, it, it, but I just I was really surprised how bad the ratings were for a lot of as much money and promotion they put into it. I'm sure they're hoping that the ratings get up over the next uh, few uh, few weeks. If this show does not do well, I think you can officially say it's the death of, of uh, the morning show in sports for dominating because in the 90s and the 80s you'd get up in the morning because you couldn't get this information you were compelled to watch that right yep, exactly now I'm, before the game before we got in here this afternoon I'm watching the Yankees game live on my phone um, we're, we're gonna be able to I mean we, we get these highlights whenever the heck we want them. Oh, it's immediate, yes. So what's going to draw you in? I mean, Mike Greenberg, he's a smart guy. I enjoy listening to Michelle Beadle. I enjoy Booger McFarlane. And I do like uh, Jalen Rose. I think he does a good job. But there's so much of it out there 
right? Well, and I think people are also, I think there's only so many people that like sports talk TV in the morning. Yeah. And now you have, you know, and Greeny and Golick did a really good job of, you know, really introducing us to that. And now we're get, we're given two choices. We can either watch Greeny or we can watch Golick separate on the two different channels. So now we, they just divide up the audience. And it might be someone like me and you who like to sample a little bit here and there. Right. So we might be going to Greeny one day, Golick next day, then maybe go to NFL Morning, which is has its own little niche as well for the NFL fans. And they, and they do a good job yeah. at that show. It's, it's very entertaining. They're in Coscarelli. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also have uh, on the radio, if you want to, uh, yeah. when I'm driving around with XN, I'm listening sometimes to the Major League Baseball, more, depending yeah. on what's going on then. Sometimes I don't really like the morning men on, on Mad Dog. No, they, they, I, I, I they, love, one guy screams too much. Yeah, in the after, but, but that's some people would go to them in the yeah. New York market, maybe in some other places. So, you know, you've, you've got this stratification where no one's, there's so much out there, no one cares, there's no reason to compel. You know, I, I, it'll be curious to see. I, I can't imagine that they're going to keep Golik and Wingo going much longer. Probably they'll think. give them this year, yeah. And, and right. they're not, not even different. I heard this morning, you know, on the Dan Leverhard show, they were talking about how much they, Golik and Wingo is stealing from their show. Oh, really? It's stealing content? Ideas, oh. like things okay. that they do on the show. Because you have to really stand out and have your core audience. I don't know what the ratings are for Lebertard. I know that he's very popular on podcasts and, and downloads, and the show seems to do okay. I think they're moving to ESPN News. Yeah, the ESPN is, News is, is kind of the new talk format for ESPN. So, I mean, that show is going to continue to do well because it's different than the other shows. Not that it's getting monster ratings. I'm sure it's getting good ratings. I think it does okay, and I think in South Florida and all that, you know, Levitard's, you know, kind of have a stranglehold down there. So, well, well, what does this morning show get up giving you that you can't get elsewhere? Oh, absolutely nothing. I mean, unless you're you a fan of Beatle, fan of Greenberg, or a fan of Rose, or a fan of that fourth co-host, which right now has been Booger McFarland, <clears throat> I don't know really if they've said whether or not he's staying or not. So also keep in mind, we're still looking for your three best catchers of all time if you're watching on Facebook. Just get on there and name them. We'll go from there. I would like to see... Mike Greenberg on a radio show, maybe by himself, where it's not on television and he can talk because he's a very, dare I say, cerebral guy. Yep. He's a uh, Northwestern grad, he, smart kid. He, he cares about sports and non sports. It's really sort of a throwback to maybe, it's not exactly, you know, when, when you had. Uh, Tony Kornheiser doing his radio show. I remember listening to his show in the early nineties. Oh, it was good. Nineties, and it was it was I, I could listen to him forever. Yeah, he was. It was always him and the fabulous sports babe. Remember on back yes. to back on a couple and of those. She, and she was pretty good. She had her moments, and it was different. Uh, and she she was that gravelly voice, gravity voice and she would get yes. you know somebody call in and disagree with her. Jeff she'd tell Denver exactly Ball. what he said. Yep. Interesting. You so. know who also I think I was thinking about this the other day, who's really sort of uh, faded away is Jim Rome. Yeah, he's only really in the on the West Coast in, in, in the LA market for radio. Not he's not national anymore. I still anymore. think he's about the best for radio, not he, only for TV. Yeah, TV he kind of he's yeah, funny. He's, he's good. The I don't know. I mean, maybe the takes are getting old and things like that. But you know, this time of year they usually have the takeoff with the people fighting with one another who can have the best. I liked him because he's really smart. He he really has great perspectives. Has great knowledge. I mean, and some people like that. He's just funny. Yeah, he's just really funny. Funny. He's good and in I a like smart-ass way, and I just love that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and a lot of those people like him, they find their niche and they realize that maybe you know not being national is better for them. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No. So, absolutely. It's a great point. So when I saw where you know uh, the Mad Dog and Boomer Esiason are, are now going are battling again, arguing on some subject too. So if you're into sports radio right now, uh, Boomer and Mad Dog are uh, having a little argument on the airwaves. You know. Uh, 
Chris Russo is is such a good host. I mean, I know you listen to him in the afternoon sometimes there yep. too. And not only does he have great knowledge of sports, he's really reasonable. You know, people start going crazy. Like, no, that's not really the. I mean, he really breaks things down well. He's also willing to listen. A lot of people are not willing to listen, as you know, on radio. Oh, and that's the key thing to be the host. You have to listen and to, to listen and see what your. You Even know, your callers. Yeah, oh, hey, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah and, that's and, a good and, point. And, and so, yeah, Russo's one of my favorite. You know, when when he's on in the afternoon, he's on on his game, and I, I like it when there's not live sports going on because he likes to watch. He's a fan first, he is. and so he's it's like the Yankees fan. are on in the background. You know, he'll kind of be. He's, gets, trying to he's, watch he's, he's wild. Like, yes. stay focused, Mad Dog. But you know, hey, he's made a following. He's made a good living out of it. So. And, and, and know who is someone I know you don't like a whole lot. This, this afternoon, I was listening to him too. Is uh, Stephen A. Smith. He was talking to some callers. Sometimes, you know, obviously he's way over the top, and he's that guy just screaming and yelling, which I think is sort of, you know, that's his show, his yeah. stick. Uh, but he does a great job of some listening. He, he has a good rapport with his uh, callers on there, most of them. Sometimes yeah. there's an idiot, he, and I'm glad he's... He's talented. He's just annoying, and, you know, he just sometimes says stuff, I think, to be heard instead of what he believes Oh, absolutely, yeah. but I think not always. But you know, he has... When, a, when he yeah. gets that facade, yeah. don't you think? Oh, yeah. He has a core following, and when he wants to talk about sports, in the right way, he's good. But he does sometimes like to be. He likes to be the show, which a lot of you know, and people in media, and sports personalities like to be the show. That's and why we're screaming. That's why right we're here, screaming right? right here. We, you know, you idiot, you, <laughs> you guys, stupid callers, two youths. So youths. the yeah. Masters. I know you're excited about this weekend. A lot of people are glued to the TV starting. Thursday through Sunday, they can't get enough of the Masters. I will be very interested in the Masters, but I won't be glued unless Tiger's in the running. I'm telling you, uh, Phil, maybe. Um, and I love the Masters. It's a beautiful course, but darn it, I want I want I want Tiger in the hunt. I absolutely want him. I think that would be the most amazing golf event that we've seen in decades, if not ever, if he's in there. And I think he will be the way he's playing. So there you go. But imagine him and Phil down the stretch. It'll be all right. Actually, one of the young guys, Jordan Spieth. I, I do like Jordan Spieth. I mean, there's a lot of really good golfers. And I'm <laughs> I like Rory McIlroy. Just because it's fun I to say his name. I'm sort of torn on him. The fact he's going, people are yelling while I'm playing golf. I'm like, come on. But it's fun to say You're his name. You're not in Ireland. It is. Rory McElroy. I just have a bad, my bad accent. Rory McIlroy. There you go. You know, that's, yeah. All of my accents sound the same. So. I, I have one one last thing before we talk about, and maybe some other things. I Walking Dead. Um, Dante DiVincenzo from, uh, oh, uh, from Villanova. Villanova, yeah. You know, the... He's, he's maybe not even over his hangover from the game or whatever. He's a young kid. I don't know if he's a junior sophomore. or sophomore yeah. or junior. Um, has the most amazing game off the bench. I mean, and the play that will resonate with me throughout the entire game, two of them. One is when they're, they're sort of coming back eight or ten, and he continues to fire those threes in the second half. He's a sniper. He's got icy veins, as they say, in the whole cliches. But I remember when he jumped up the second one, and some guy's trying to go in there, and he blocks with two hands and goes rises up there. This kid could handle the ball, could shoot the ball, play good defense. And then what do we get the very next morning? Someone drops something on a Bleacher Report going, hey, here's some lyrics he put when he was 14. 14. And it wasn't even him saying it. He was just quoting lyrics from another person, right? Yeah, exactly. This wasn't even him saying dropping the N-word. He was quoting a song yeah. that he clearly liked from yeah. someone who was African-American. And then they start going, when is that okay to say 
either for an age group or time period? Well, I think when you're quoting lyrics, uh, I think that then what Bleach Report or Yahoo, whoever posts it, needs to make sure that they tell the story. Because when you read the headlines, it's all the Finjo says racist tweet. Well, no, it it, it was the words racist, yes, if you look at it just on its its basis. But what he was doing was copying lyrics, which are clearly the lyrics of this song, and put them in his, uh, you know, on his his tweet that day so which was dumb probably but when you're 14 you do stupid things like that but if you like the artist yes at some point we have to stop all right we have to stop as a country worrying about things that when in when 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 you look at the right context it was a non-story and that's how it should have been but it has to blow up for 48 hours then go away because people realize you know what he wasn't being racist he was just using lyrics of a song and that's absolutely i'd even go say you know it's an anti-story even this 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 is a cautionary tale if you're going to go into journalism you know we talk about in the classes all the time we talk about it here all the time about what are the ethics what do you do why do you do it well you don't treat high school kids the same way as college kids, and you don't treat college kids the same as the pros. So we're treating this kid like he's a pro when he was 14 years old. And so- he hadn't been on his Twitter account for two years. Two years. So, I mean... I- so does everybody have to go back and clean off their... T- I mean, I, I think that this is ultimately going to be a bad... Uh, story for Bleacher Report. This is an embarrassment to them. This is not a, don't you think? I mean, it's an it embarrassment is, it, to well, them. Well, yeah, because it, you know, things have to be, you know, you have to get, you know, when, when, when athletes say they were misquoted, this is an example of somebody being misquoted because it wasn't taken in the right context, and it's very frustrating. I feel sorry for the kid. You know, let him enjoy it. If you're going to stay with the story, write the story, the whole story, not just with the the thing that you, the sensationalism. And that's why people get mad at mainstream media and all media because they don't tell the whole story. They tell stuff to get people to watch, and for the sensationalism, the sell, they're selling the sizzle, and they're not selling the product. And that's what drives me absolutely crazy. When I saw that, I just, uh, yeah. Well, the reason it drives me crazy is I still think that most media tell the right story. But every time you get a story like this, it makes it appear that everybody's doing it. And, of course, there's lots of examples. We can certainly have that. Yeah. Most of them do it. But this makes everybody, all of us, this reason that we get infuriated is because it makes all of us look yeah. terrible. Yes, exactly. And so if they don't win, are you going to drop that story? No, they're trying to get clicks the next day. If he didn't Please get off the report. bench, would that have been a, would they no. wrote that story? That's no, the no point. one's going to care. Yep, exactly. Well, and actually, no one should mm-hmm. care now. Yep. So That's just ridiculous. That, that, that story infuriated me. So we're bringing a band the Bleacher Report for the next week. No, no Bleacher Report stories for a week. Well, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We're not talking about. It. Hey, I have a question for you. Oh man, my throat. Sorry. It, go ahead. It's, it's not really sports, but it's media here. Real quick, before we get into it, is the whole thing with Sinclair. You know, they were purchased. You know, I forget if it was 100, 122 stations, something like that. All over the country. All over the country. It's a story that started blowing up last last weekend, um, and um, the story comes out that they did some documentary. They they hired someone who is a Russian propaganda person to do this documentary format, The Deep State. And you can go read this yourself. Type in Sinclair and you can find out. But they were compelling all these, uh, not only them to run the station, but they were compelling them to read a statement about news being fake and things like that. You're in radio. You're running a TV and radio station here. What are your thoughts on that? The, uh, well, can you first, talk about it? I mean, I, mean, I don't know. As I, I read what you read, and it, 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 I've still not done all the research on it. But the fact that all these people are saying is we had to do it because our contract said we had to. And that is a, a very sad because if they would have went against their contract, they would have been fired and or they would have had to repay money. 
um, and, and, and and face that kind of, you know, you know, for lack of a better way, charges from Sinclair. Uh, would, and some of the people that had you know, done it in the past who are already out of their contracts said, yeah, we that you have no choice. Um, and that's the scary part about these contracts that some of these, uh, you know, kids and students get into when they take their first job and even experienced news anchors. Um, if you had an out, if you had ethics and you had money, yeah, you're not going to read that. You're not going to read that promo that talks about this story. But the problem is, most of it, there's there's 500 people that want that job at Sinclair or whatever company, and so they're going to do it and read it. So, it's I guess it's wrong on so many levels, but I don't know what you can do about it because Sinclair can, you know, it's it's their company. They can do what they want. Whether you choose to work for them or not is is going to be up to you. And that's that's a slippery slope, as they say. No, absolutely, because you, you you have a, a situation here where. You hope that you would not do it because you want to have your ethics. The other thing is if you have two, three kids and you're trying to pay the bills and TV gigs are not easily found. I mean, certain yeah. jobs in this, I mean, getting a professor's job, getting a, a TV or a radio, they're tough to get. But at what point do you feel like you're going against it? Well, I haven't had a chance to dig into this too hard, but the Sinclair Station in Madison, Wisconsin refused to do it. And they're promoting the fact that they refused to do it. I'm wondering if ultimately they feel like that's going to get them more money, if there's a fee or contract, or if they broke it. Uh, it'll be curious to see over the next couple of weeks because, as we know in sports, to tie back into sports is if you're a broadcaster for the Cubs or the Braves, you're an employee of the Cubs and the Braves or whatever. You're not an independent journalist. So when you hear them say stuff, they're also contractually obligated. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so this story's not going to go away. Uh, for sure, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, man, can you imagine me putting that? You basically you're reading a promo that that's something you completely don't believe on, but you have to sell it because you want people to watch your station. Yeah, that, that's a weird. Well, we know that. I mean, pretty much we know that news or if it's sports is not always true, and there's a lot of fake news out there. So if we're wrong, I want you to let me know. I don't want some kid. I mean, people yeah. who aren't in journalism. This whole notion of citizen journalism is BS. It takes a lot of work to get these stories done, and most, and you know, a high percentage of them are actually are are factually accurate. So it's just infuriating. And it also goes back to what I've said for there's a lot of people that have jobs in this country that are at the CEO or the whatever high level that really don't have a clue what's going on in the real world. Right. Or, or they're trying to push an agenda, yeah. which it seems like it may be both of those things yeah. in this case. You're and right. It just, it's just yeah. It's frustratingly amazing that we uh, that this is what we've come to whether it's sports or news media yeah exactly it's almost like they're walking around like walking dead <laughs> yeah. hey wait is that a, is, that is, is a, that call, a great segue, segue, ever? segue ever Joe. thank you thank you uh, the walking dead uh, there's only two episodes ago after this past week's uh, episode six of the eight of the spring season 2018 uh i guess the 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 one thing I got out of this, I mean, here's I always like to watch the show. The next okay. day, I go out and I I do some research of what people. You do, you do some, a good job with that. Some of those folks who write some of the stories about The Walking Dead, the ones who are really the fans. The big thing out of this episode was, as viewers, we have been convinced that Rick is the good guy. Yes. Now, yes, after if you watched, if you only watched this past episode, who's the villain? You would think that Rick is the bad guy and Negan is the good guy. You know, and it makes people like me who don't believe that at least think about it. And the more I thought about it, like when you just go down to this episode only, Rick was the bad guy. He made mistakes. He did horrible things. And Negan basically was doing whatever he could to survive, but he didn't do anything quote-unquote bad. So interesting that would Walking Dead actually switch 
the dynamic of the show going forward, or will will we find out that we what we've thought all along that Rick's the good guy and Negan is the bad guy? Oh, absolutely. I think that um, I remember in the first two seasons he was being pushed by his best friend uh, to be this Rick, yeah, and he refused because he goes, "I have the morals and ethics and all the other things." <laughs> yeah, and um, if God, the moment. If I, I did a double take when they're in there and the zombies and the guys are all shooting and trying to protect him and they're protect, when he put that was it hatchet in the neck of the guy in front of him yep I did a double take yeah, and he I, basically, almost, I almost shuddered I'm going yeah. did he just do it and he said he lied he just flat out he goes I lied yeah, yeah. but I mean this guy shooting in front of him had saved him yeah. a little bit and is going forward and he just decided I'm putting a hatchet yeah. in your neck and, and cutting your veins yep. and, and things are going to spur it out and at that point Rick became a bad guy yep. I don't know that it makes Negan a good guy but they certainly did as you're saying softened him up the whole story with Jadis yeah. and the fact he's going to right a wrong he's doing something good and because Negan's done too many horrible things to be considered yeah. a good guy, but at the, the talking down, if you saw after the show, she said something. That she made a comment about sure if he says anything and reveals anything, he's a good guy because he's so horrible leading yeah. up to this point. Yeah. So, but I don't think he's the good guy. I think now it it may be Maggie or 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 Jesus or one of the other people in the characters. It's no longer Rick. Yeah, but I'll be curious because he read the letter at the end, and that's going to change him. And I think that will, d- or it has to. Yeah. Otherwise, he's he's the horrible guy. I think that was a dastardly thing. That he I did. think by waiting as long as he could, and then really Michonne pushed him into into reading the letter. That's when you'll see Rick switch, and then we'll see what happens these last two episodes. But lots of you know, who did uh, Negan pick up on the ro- on the road is the other big mystery of this uh, of of the, of the show. You know, yeah, because they didn't show it when he even came up to the gate, and he says, "Hey, let's keep this quiet. I, if there's going to be." Some a big, you know, surprise. There's been all kinds of thought that it was maybe uh, Lori, the uh, Dwight's wife. You know, the what? You know, so it was that her on the road. So you know, who knows who it's going to be? So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, because we know Dwight still. Because um, yeah, with the other group, with the, with the big group there, yeah. he's still there. Because there was a scene talking. They were debating yeah. with. Um, uh, the guy who's trying to take over. God, Simon. Simon. Yeah. Simon. So he and Simon are talking there. God, who could it be? I mean, let's let's. I mean, let's think about this. Could it be? Well, who's going to get in the car with Negan? It had it had to be somebody associated. Could it be Father Gabriel. Somehow? Father Gabriel was the other one was was mentioned. Lori was mentioned, uh, and so I don't know who else it could possibly be. Um, because Jesus, who, he doesn't really. No, know Jesus, Jesus was back in. Yeah, remember? Jesus was back. You're right. So uh, who? So, God, that that would be interesting because. I, I like to break down a lot of these episodes into the one-on-one moments. Yeah. And my favorite one in this one was the one between him and Jadis. Probably everybody. I think that's sort of almost a no-brainer. No, when he talked himself out of getting basically whatever killed or what you know, yeah. And and the fact that she allowed him to live says a lot. That I don't know if she necessarily trusted him a hundred percent, but she just figured, well, why kill more? Yeah. And I, I was also intrigued by where she lived. I was going to say, she had the most pristine-looking apartment, little pod I, did, thing. Do you think they all had one underneath? I, 
I don't know, but hers was like, I've never seen a cleaner place in my life. And this people were living in It was in the, so basic. It was almost like the inside of a gym that was nice, like yeah. a locker room or something. Yeah, it was just this cool little, like little, what is that show? Little houses? Yeah, little house. It was, it, house. she didn't have a lot of stuff and it was all clean and it was, you know, pristine. And I'm like, really? So, and then the helicopter, we're about out of time here, but the helicopter, what was that? That was, that's a major. Do you think that was a connection they have to other people? They absolutely have that connection? Because she seemed like she was she waiting was prepared, for that, right? She had the flares, so there, there has to be something about that, uh, about the you know about that helicopter that's gonna you know I don't know believe, make us have hope that there's another society out there, or make it that's a government or what. That's but, one of those things that I loved about the first several seasons of The Walking Dead is like, what's next? What's yeah. going on? Even when the when the woman with the two people wanting to get the music was there. Yeah. But that helicopter was another reason to make you want to listen. There you go. And I'm gonna leave you with this, Joe. I don't okay. know if you read. But the one of the writers of The Walking Dead wants to see what frozen zombies if they do a spinoff. Oh yes, yes. So you, I want something called. It. Thank you for listening, Walking Dead directors. I, I'm and just everybody. saying, they, you've got you've been you've been sending it to them. Haven't I, you? I, they're they're just watching. I'm it, just but, glad they're listening. But I'm just me. telling you, they brought it up, and so it's a possibility. It's not. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. I'm Jeff. I'm Joe. Have a great day, everybody. See ya.